On this episode of Rev Hang, Ben and I talk about the MotoGP Australian Grand Prix, the MotoGP Malaysian Grand Prix, and the Formula One United States Grand Prix in Texas. Let's do it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rev Hang. I'm your host, Nathan Nevue, and alongside me today is my fellow gearhead and co-host, Ben Bagley. How's it going, Ben? Oh, man. That race at Coda today made me, uh, it made my day feel way less hectic knowing what went on there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I also had a pretty low-key day compared to most of those uh, drivers out there. Yeah. Makes me excited one. to try to go next year. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I might join you. I might uh, might do that. Might go to Japan as well. Haven't quite decided yet. Oh. Um, but Japan would be. I think if I can do that, I'm gonna do that. Yeah, that you gotta so do much that. Fun. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, uh, we have a couple of MotoGP races to go over before we get into F1. So let's start off with the Australian Grand Prix at Phillip Island. Uh, we'll go through the top ten in qualifying to give you some context. On pole position was Jorge Martin, followed by Marc Marquez, Francesco Benyaya, Alessa Spargaro, uh, Fabio Quartararo, Johan Zarco, Luca Marini, Jack Miller, Marco Bedzecchi, and Alex Rins, finishing the top 10. Uh, Martin got a good start at the beginning of the race and took the lead early on uh, with Marquez in tow. On the fourth lap, Quartararo outbraked himself and ended up at the back of the pack after going extremely wide off the track. Uh, on lap 8, Alex Rins was able to make a pass on Banyaya for P3 after cutting his way through the field starting 10th. Uh, pretty good start for him. On lap 9, Alex Marquez and Jack Miller came together, ending both of their races. It was uh, The accident was completely Alex Marquez's fault. He just missed his breaking point. And, uh, it was actually a pretty scary accident because Jack Miller took a while to get up and he kind of like Alex Marquez's bike actually crushed Miller between the two bikes and it was it was pretty bad but uh both riders ended up uh leaving the track under their own uh strength so Miller was okay he ended up racing the next race and so did Marquez but Marquez did receive a uh, double long lap penalty in the next race because of that on lap 11, Quartararo washed out and ended his race in the gravel. Uh, he's had pretty uh, pretty bad few last few races. Um, kind of let his championship slip away from him, and now Banyaya is poised and ready to ready to take it in the in the last race of the season. Um, but anyway, on lap 14, Alex Rins made a move on Marc Marquez and Jorge Martin to take the lead of the race uh, until the next lap when Banyaya passed Rins for the lead. And then over the course, like the rest of the race, the league kept switching hands. Uh, and it was it was just a pretty pretty hectic fight between the top four as they fought for the last spot the, the top spot on the podium. Um, and then there was a last lap battle for the lead between Renz Marquez and Benyaya. And then the top seven ended up finishing the race within two seconds of the leader, who was Alex Renz. Um, at the end of the race, he ended up winning it, winning his first race of the season. It's been a while for him. Uh, completing the podium was Mark Marquez and Francesco Benyaya, and four through, uh, we'll do four and five, were Marco Bezzecchi and Inea Bastianini. Six through ten was Luca Marini, Jorge Martin, Johan Zarco, Alessa Spargaro, and Brad Binder. 
11 through 15 was Paula Spargaro, Miguel Oliveira, Cal Crutchlow, Darren Binder, and Remy Gardner. 16 through 20 was Ralph Fernandez, Maverick Vinales, Juan Mir, Tetsuda Nakashima, and Fabio Di Antonio. And that rounds off the finishers. And then we had four non-finishers, and they were Franco Morbidelli, Fabio Corderaro, Jack Miller, and Alex Marquez. Okay, it might be a while since I've watched the uh, the last MotoGP, but didn't Al- isn't Alex Rins one of the ones who crashes a lot of the time? Yeah, he's had a, a rough season. Um, yeah, he's he's kind of had a lot of a lot of DNFs. Well, uh, good for him. He used to, yeah, for sure. He used to win like a lot and podium a lot, and uh, he's kind of dropped back in the last couple of years, I think. So it's good to see him back up at the front of the field. Yep, now I just need Juan Mir to uh, mirror that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird. We got it's it's uh, strange with MotoGP how much things shuffle around because Juan Mir was um, he's been a championship contender several times. I don't think he's ever won one, but he's been in the hunt multiple times for championships, and now he's finishing 18th <laughs> and uh, kind of back back half of the field most of the time. Yeah, crazy how things change. Yeah. Well, let's like move on to... the location of the race! Oh, <laughs> that was a, a segue that I was preparing for. There you go. Uh, it's a great bit. Anyways, the <laughs> next race they went to was the Malaysian GP in Sepang, MY. Malaysia. Malay. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> I was worried there was like an extra province in there that I was just blanking on, but... uh. Okay, yeah, Sepang, Malaysia. (laughs) Anyways, in qualifying to start off, we had Jorge Martin, Ine Bastianini, and Marc Marquez in the top three, followed by Marco Bezzecchi and Alex Rins in fifth. Uh, We're just going to go through the top ten of this because, really, you'll find out who wins later on. Uh, Number six, we had Luca Marini. Seventh, Franco Morbidelli, followed by Maverick Vinales. Francesco Benyetta, that was rude, and Elias Espargaro rounding out 10th. So, uh, yeah, Malaysia. Martin ended up taking the lead off the line, and Benyetta made his way up to second by turn two. Uh, so that was a, a pretty good uh, acceleration. He's qualified ninth, so he's able to get yeah. up there pretty quick, but Martin was able to extend his lead quite a bit uh, despite that. Uh, about halfway through the race, lap seven, Martin lost traction on his front tire and ended up washing into the gravel. Uh, that actually ended his race. He wasn't able to recover, uh, as is the case with the GP when they meet gravel. And Most that, of the time, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that brought Benyaya to the lead. Um, lap 11, Bastianini made a move on Benyaya for the lead. However, uh, on lap 14, Benyaya ended up trying to parry back, made a lunge, and made it stick. Uh, Bastianini stayed on Benyai's kill for the rest of the race to keep it interesting, but it was a foregone conclusion, and Benyai crossed the line first. So, in the results, of course, we have Francesco Benyai in first. Second, we have Enea Bastianini, followed by good old Fabio Corraro. And fourth, we have Marco Bezzecchi. Fifth, we have Alex Rins, Jack Miller, Mark Marquez, Brad Binder, Johan Zarco, and Elias Espargaro in tenth. Following that, we have Franco Morbidelli, Cal Crutchlow, Miguel Oliveira, 
Nicola Spargo, Raul Fernandez in 15th, followed by Maverick Vinales, Alex Marquez, Remy Gardner, and Juan Mir in 19th, again, running at that bottom group of finishers. And then for our DNFs, we have Darren Binder, Fabio DiGiantonio, Jorge Martin, who we talked about having that lead and then washing out, Tetsuo Nagashima, and Luca Marini. Alrighty, that wraps up the Malaysia Grand Prix for MotoGP. We only have one race left in the season at Valencia, and if uh, unless something goes horribly wrong for Pekka Banyaya, he will walk away with the championship. I'm pretty sure the only way he loses the championship at this point is if Quartararo wins the race and he DNFs. Good um, I'm pretty sure that's that's the conditions there. So all it he's got to do is pretty much stay on his bike and finish in the points. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so I take it. He probably won't be driving conservatively, but I'm, I'm sure he'll be taking extra measures to make sure that nothing unfortunate yeah. happens. He'll probably give some people some extra space, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. So, let's move on to our paddock news for the week. Uh, mostly, uh, well, actually, all all F1 news I've got for you today. Uh, starting with Red Bull. Red Bull has broken the budget cap in 2021, and we are still awaiting news on their punishment. Um, this has been the story for the last couple weeks. We've We've... We've known for since Japan that Red Bull broke the budget cap officially, and uh, we, for the last two weeks, are still waiting on what the punishment's going to be. Uh, the FIA has been a little sketchy about it, not super transparent, which, you know, isn't great. <laughs> no, um, uh, and granted, it is kind of a, a tricky situation, you know, Especially depending on where Red Bull spent the funds, which it sounds like Red Bull's kind of been dancing around. Uh, I think yeah. the original answer they were giving was catering. Maybe that was just a meme that I saw on Formula Dink. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's together what now. But yeah, that's what they're saying is it was catering that sent them over budget. But mm, I yes. mean, that's that's just uh, shuffling around what you're calling going over budget. Yeah, <laughs> really. Yeah, so um, the real question by, from a lot of teams is how much did Red Bull benefit from going over the cost cap, and would uh, things have turned out differently if they hadn't gone over? You know, would Mercedes have been able to keep a little bit more speed and finish out the championship without any sort of uh, crisis, or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The controversy, yep, that's the C word. Um, or would Red Bull still be in the same place? Uh, obviously Red Bull thinks that nothing would have changed if they did, which is why they're saying, oh, it was all spent on food. But right, it's hard, it's it's really, hard to say. It's a really tough situation. It's hard to say if anything really would have changed. Um, but, I mean, rules are rules. And honestly, even though I am I'm admittedly a, a pretty big Red Bull fan, I uh, I'd be kind of disappointed in the FIA if they didn't get a big punishment, and I feel like the FIA is avoiding doing the thing that they know they have to do, which is uh, probably dock Red Bull points from uh, last season, because a fine doesn't solve the problem. It just, in fact, that will make it worse because yeah. other teams like McLaren and Mercedes have already said that. If Red Bull only gets a fine for this, that they're gonna they're gonna not care about the budget cap and overspend next year. 
Yeah, um, I feel like we might have talked about it last podcast, but I feel like looking more at a, a future penalty rather than a post penalty would not necessarily make people happier, but I think it would be a lot less controversial. It uh, might still be able to place an impact, you know, if there's a, a massive penalty going forward into the 2023 season, maybe. Yeah, I think but, that's that's a good idea. I know we did talk about this a little bit last time. We didn't go super in-depth because we didn't know for sure. Uh, it was not confirmed whether or not Red Bull has gone over. It was just rumored. Um, but, yeah, I feel like a future punishment would serve the purpose well. Uh, people would still be upset because, of course, I mean, people are always going to be upset no matter which way it goes. But um, <laughs> F1 is not a nonpartisan sport by any means. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like going back and taking the championship away. That it would just it would just suck so much. That really rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, and I I don't know, but I don't really know what else they can do other than a future punishment. But who knows? I don't know. <laughs> It's going to be, we're just going to have to wait and see. Um, we were supposed to get some clarity on it today, but unfortunately and very sadly, Red Bull's co-founder Dietrich Mateschitz passed away on October 22nd, the uh, the morning of qualifying, and um, that hit the Red Bull team pretty hard, and you could, you could see it just on everybody's faces, um, and understandably, because he was a pioneer in the, in the sport, and really, I mean, he's the reason Red Bull exists and has two teams on the grid um huge part of the sport big loss for everybody and uh so the as a result of that the fia has pushed the the announcement or the i don't know if they're having more meetings about it but they've kind of put all of this this controversial stuff on hold for a little bit uh to let the team mourn i guess which is nice um but I don't know. I, I just, I just, I don't think they can keep putting it off. It's prolonging the inevitable. You can only have yeah. so many meetings and so many not meetings. Yeah. And it's like, if I really hope that they, they figure something out and are able to set a precedent with this because I don't want every season the results to be up in the air until October when we get all of their budgets back. Like, yeah. Because now it's, now it's like we don't know if a championship's actually won until almost a year later and that's that's kind of ridiculous <laughs> yeah just a bit so i yeah i don't think that's the way to go yeah i don't know um but anyway moving on in our padding news segment segment uh several drivers were granted f1 tests in uh first free practice one in austin including alex Pillow for mclaren antonio giovanazzi for haas robert schwartzman for ferrari and logan Sargent for williams um, most of them had pretty good tests, uh, except for Antonio Giovinazzi, who crashed the car after just three laps, which doesn't bode very well for his hopes of returning to F1 with Haas next year. Oh, man. What a Poor guy. Yeah. What a thing to unpack. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Gunther Steiner said he, uh, wasn't very impressed with Antonio's, uh, display, so I would, reading between the lines, I'd say Giovinazzi's out of contention for the seat. Just let my big, let my boy Mick have another season. Yeah, you know, I second I season. Honestly, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I honestly think that Schumacher should be the one that gets the seat for next year. 
I I could see why they might might want to pull Hulkenberg back in just because he's so experienced, but I don't know. I just feel like Schumacher's already established in that team. He'll be going into his third season, his second season in the new cars, and he's done so much better in the second half of this season than he did in the first half that yeah. I really think he deserves a second shot. Um, he did have that one moment in Japan last last uh, last race, but, you know, I don't know. I think I think they would be wise to keep Schumacher around for one more year. Yeah, I agree. But unfortunately, um, we're not the ones who make decisions at Haas, so our police will <laughs> hopefully not fall on deaf ears, but there's only yeah. one way to find out. Yeah. Uh, some exciting news for this side of the pond in the good old United States. We uh, It's been confirmed that American F2 driver Logan Sargent uh, will get the second Williams seat in 2023 as long as he earns his super license by the end of the F2 season in Abu Dhabi. Uh, I believe he has to finish in the top sixth in, in the in the F2 championship. I don't know where he has to finish in the race to guarantee that uh, off the top of my head. But I don't think he has to do... I don't think he has to win or anything like that. I think he just has to kind of get some solid points. So it's still kind of a toss-up. Um, but we'll see. I would love to see Sargent get into F1 because he had such a... He struggled so hard in F in F three to get to F two for so long, um, and I believe he's in his first or second season in F two now. But he's finally getting his shot with Williams, and um, I'd love to see an American on the grid, even if he's not on a great team. Yeah, I, I'm trying to. Uh, I'm not going to talk about super license stuff. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to. We talked about it so much. Yeah, we went over that with the whole Colton Herta debacle. <laughs> um, but yeah, so <laughs> there's not going to be a, at least we know there's not going to be an exception made for Logan Sargent, you know, <laughs> they've already yep. set that precedent pretty hard saying, yeah, we, uh, we don't bend on the super license rules. Yeah. But, no matter how stupid they are. Okay. Anyways, let's move on. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's the end of our paddock news segment. We'll move on to Zoomer rumors. Uh, the name is still up in the air. Please, please reach out and tell us to change it. Um, we want you to <laughs> hit us up Please. on Twitter. Um, it's not a very high bar, so don't worry. There's no bad ideas out there. It really um, the first idea that somebody says will be what it is. So yeah, <laughs> it can really be anything. It doesn't even have to be related to racing. Yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> I don't want to put we it out prefer there on the it, internet to anything on the internet, but we are so desperate for engagement. Yeah, <laughs> that too. <laughs> that too. We're just being honest here. Um, but anyway, Zuma rumors. The only the only rumor I have on this week is that there are talks of Danny Ricardo becoming the reserve driver for Red Bull Racing in 2023, which was kind of a shock to me. I uh, I was very surprised to hear that. Um, I you know I've we've been hearing him talking to Mercedes for for so long now that now this rumor drops uh, on the on the internet. And uh, I could honestly see this happening. Yeah, I could too. I think it'd be cool for him to go back to Red Bull. I mean, he would never get a seat in a million years. Oh, but, yeah, no. Hopefully but he's he already got get... the relationships there. Yeah, yeah. hopefully he doesn't get too far down the pipeline again to uh, never crawl back out if a seat does arise. But Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of lukewarm on this. I think it's 
it's nice that he has a place to be, even if it's just reserve, but I think maybe him being reserve, maybe, I don't want to say it limits his appeal to the rest of the field, but especially on Red Bull, which is such a tight ecosystem with their drivers. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that op- opens more opportunities for him or less. Yeah, it's kind of a, I don't know. I, I just don't see him getting a spot in 2024 either. No. I just, I don't know. It's really sad because I love Danny Rick and he's so many people's favorite driver. But McLaren kind of just ruined his career. Um, It's really, really unfortunate. And he's already... New Hulkenberg. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I could see that happening too if like he could jump in and replace a driver that is injured or sick next year that could be um but we'll see i don't know he's already said he said in an interview this week that he is not going to indycar definitely because opals scare him really bad (laughs) what yeah that's what he said he said there's only five he doesn't even have to race on those five Right, like he could do what Roman Grosjean did his first year. Grosjean didn't uh, drive on ovals for the same reason, because they scared yeah. the crap out of him. Um, which is fair, because ovals are terrifying. But, uh, yeah, Roman, like Grosjean didn't do ovals, and he almost won Rookie of the Year. Yeah. So, uh, I, I don't know. I just think Daniel is uh, so... He's got his heart set so hard on F1 still that yeah. he might, might just be making excuses. But I can't, I'm not, I'm not Daniel, I'm not in his head, so I don't know what he's thinking. Um, I don't know, maybe he's thinking of trying whack out, like World Endurance, something yeah. like that, IMSA maybe, but I, all I know is I, I hope that this is not the end of Danny Rick's racing career. He's got a lot of other things going on in his life, he's got a fashion brand, and I think he's even got a wine brand, um, so there's nothing saying that he's going to stay even in the racing world forever. But that would be a real big shame, I think. Yeah. Um, oh, well. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens with Mr. Danny Rick. But let's move on to the United States Grand Prix. I have this mislabeled up here. <laughs> uh, United <laughs> States Grand Prix in the Singapore Austin, Grand Texas. Prix? The Singapore Grand Prix. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. United States and Austin, Texas. We'll go through the top 10 in qualifying to give you some context. On pole position was Carlos Sainz, followed by Verstappen, Hamilton, Russell, and Stroll in fifth place. Really good qualifying from the Canadian. 6 through 10 was Norris, Bottas, Albon, Perez, and Vettel. Um, I said that weird, Vettel. <laughs> um, Perez got a five-place grid penalty, so he got knocked down after qualifying. Uh, Leclerc started 12th after taking a 10 place penalty and then we also had some other guys like Akon started from the pit lane and Tsunoda started from the back after they took uh they took they made changes to their cars yeah yeah a lot of a smattering even of power unit gearbox etc changes yeah so that explains the wacky starting grid yeah a little bit (laughs) Uh, when the race started, Sainz had a pretty bad start, forcing him to fight Verstappen into turn one. Uh, as they went around the corner, Russell outbraked himself and locked up and made contact with Carlos Sainz and spun him out and ended his race because Sainz had either suspension or gearbox damage or both. Um, 
Sebastian Vettel had a massive start, gaining several positions off the bat. He got really lucky. Just He was in the right place at the right time uh, to get around Sainz's spun car. Um, and he gained like four, five, six positions like right off the bat. Um, really good start from him. Perez made his way through the field pretty quickly, making it to P4 by lap six. Leclerc also made his way through the field quickly and got really lucky with safety car timing, promoting him up to fourth. On lap 18, Valtteri Bottas spun off and caused a safety car as his car was beached in the gravel. Um, uh, the race was restarted, I believe, lap 20 or 21. Uh, but then on the next lap, lap 22, um, Fernando Alonso and Lance Stroll made contact on the back straight, ending Stroll's race. But somehow, <laughs> Fernando Alonso was able to continue. Uh, I don't. I honestly was so surprised. I thought I was for confused. sure that yeah, I thought I was, I was like, seeing Alcon twice or something. <laughs> yeah, he he kept going on the, down the straight, and I was like, is he gonna stop? <laughs> like, I honestly thought that maybe he was unconscious and like in neutral, rolling rolling down the straight <laughs> or in gear even. But uh, no, he just kept going. Uh, he he hit the back of Stroll's car, which made him wheelie uh, about 45 degree. He was at about a 45 degree angle to the track. Um, yeah. And then slammed back down off the track as he slid into the wall and bounced off. But somehow his car was fine. <laughs> it, yeah, that was so weird. I thought for sure he was done. He just was like trying to limp it back to the pit lane even. Yeah. But he just went past the pit lane. I was like, okay, I guess we're doing this. No, I think he I think he did bit box. I could be wrong, but I thought he did. Oh, he might have. oh yeah, no, he definitely did because he, he broke like three quarters of his front wing off. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. 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 Um, so other than that, though, his car was pretty fine. He did have uh, damage to his right wing mirror, which ended up flying off the car later on in the race. And... Um, well, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Hmm. Um, anyway, on lap 30, Leclerc was uh, caught and passed Perez into the hairpin off the back straight. Six laps later, Verstappen caught, uh, got caught up in the pits with a bad pit stop. Ended up being about a 12-second stop, allowing Leclerc and Hamilton to pass him, uh, which just made the race super spicy. It, wasn't, uh, it was looking like an easy Verstappen win before that. Um, on lap 39, Max sent it down the inside of Leclerc to take second place. And then two laps later, Hamilton was able to pass Sebastian Vettel to take the lead of the race. Vettel was actually in the lead of the race for a considerable amount of time. So incredible. Yeah. <laughs> it was so cool. It was like, we what year is it? I'm watching... so much higher. Yeah. I'm watching Hamilton pass Vettel for the lead of the race. And I'm like, <laughs> what, what year is it? <laughs> Yeah, it was it was awesome to see Seb up there. I think it's really cool. He's only got a few races left, so you know he's really he's really fighting really hard with people, and you can tell he's getting all he can out of racing before he's done. Yeah. Oh man, that lap lap forty one, he was still up there, and I was, there's no way. I'm hoping against all hope. I'm not even a Vettel fan, but just hoping it's like he could get a podium. I'm not even expecting first, but. If you can get a podium, then yeah. this would be one of the greatest races I've ever seen. And then he Man. got a messed up pit stop. Yeah, such a shame. 
Uh, so ended up with a 16-second pit stop, courtesy of Aston Martin. Um, Classic. Really unfortunate, but he did fight his way back into the points by the end of the race. Um, with six laps to go, Max Verstappen caught up to Hamilton and passed him on the back straight. And they ended up fighting each other until about turn 19 that lap, um, which is right about at the end of the lap. Um, but Max ended up in front and held the lead for the rest of the race. Um, he crossed the line, and on the last lap, Sebastian Vettel, who was making his way back through the pack after a after the bad pit stop, ended up passing Kevin Magnussen around the outside of turn 19. Um, what an absolute dive bomb by fight. by seb he man the guy was on the edge around the outside you could see his rear tires were going all over the place bouncing around because that's a bumpy track too yeah um but he kept it pinned and uh made the made the dive down the inside of the next turn and took the took that position from k mag and wow crazy what a, racing what a series of events that was but uh, that was the end of the race. Yeah, great, great racing, great race overall. Great George way to Russell. summarize too. <laughs> just the entire yeah. vibe of the race is that last fight, right? Just chaos the whole time. Um, the fastest lap went to George Russell, and the driver of the day went to Sebastian Vettel, deservedly so. Really? Seb drove his heart out. Um, so yeah, the results of the race. Um, Podium was Verstappen, Hamilton, Leclerc, with Perez and Russell in 4th and 5th. 6 through 10 was Norris, Vettel, Magnussen, Sunoda, and Ocon. 11 through 15 was Joe, Albon, Gasly, Schumacher, and Alonso. 16 and 17, rounding off the finishers, were Ricardo and Latifi. And then we had three DNFs, all crashes, um, and it was Stroll, Bottas, and Sainz. Yep. And uh, it's important to note that even though Alonso finished across the line much further up than 15th, uh, he got a 30-second penalty, which is one of the longest penalties I've seen, aside from Latifi's one-lap penalty. Or, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in a race. So that very impressive, Alonso. Yeah, so Fernando Alonso finished the race in 7th place over the line. But he was called, along with Sergio Perez, to the stewards after the race to talk about why they were able, why they continued on in the race with damaged cars. And this just, this whole thing confused me. Um, Haas was the one that lodged a protest after the race saying that Perez and Alonso should have been meatball flagged because they had the same amount of damage on their cars as Magnussen did the last couple times. Yep. So they were wondering where the consistency was, and that's completely a fair, fair question. So both uh, both Perez and Alonso were called to the stewards to talk about that, I guess. Um, and Alonso was given a ten second dry or stop and go penalty, which uh, apparently, if that's given after the race, it transforms into a thirty second penalty. Uh, so that's where the thirty seconds comes from. Um, they gave it to him because his wing mirror was holding on by a thread and ended up flying off during the race. And um, uh, Alonzo, or, uh, Alpine knew that and pit-stopped Alonzo and then sent him back out with that damage on his car without removing it or fixing it or whatever. 
Uh, so that's where the penalty came from, and I'm not sure why Perez didn't get one for the same reason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, maybe because it wasn't hanging on through, like it, it snapped off and right. didn't bounce all of the track. My only thought is Perez had the damage for several laps, probably like a, a good a good lot of laps, like probably about 10 laps, um, but he didn't pit, so Red Bull never had a chance to actually remove it or fix it, mm-hmm. and then they didn't meatball flag him, so Perez didn't really do anything wrong, because um, like Red Bull didn't even have a chance to fix it because they hadn't pit yet. Whereas Alonso did pit and then was sent back out with that damage, so that's the only only way I can think of that going. Um, that's probably what it is, if I were to guess. Yeah, yeah. But. I mean, it's hard to be mad because Haas had to go through the whole thing last time, and I, I think it's fair. But it's annoying that the FIA seems to have chosen this as an area of uh, zero consistency. Yeah, yeah. It's a little strange and annoying and it it also took them about five hours post race to make this announcement so yeah i bet you a lot of people still think that alonzo scored what is it like six points for aston or for alpine yeah yeah whereas magnuson got meatball flagged how soon after sustaining that damage uh i don't know a lap two laps yeah like that. so if they had applied the same logic to these racers then it wouldn't have been a problem because after two laps of seeing that wing mirror flapping around or uh seeing present damage then they would have been meatball flagged and it would have happened in race yeah i don't know it's i mean obviously there's so much fluid in f1 that it's really hard to stay consistent but at the same time it's really important and it's been a like the achilles heel of the FIA the last few years is being super inconsistent with rulings and how rules are addressed and interpreted. So I don't know. I really think they need to sort out this problem. One, one uh, big bit of good news um, is that there is no more rotating race director. Yay. So they just have one guy directing the race instead of it switching off every week, which I think is a good thing yeah. for the sport. Um. They've also addressed the the way the safety car and recovery vehicles work uh, in in response to what happened last week in Japan with the recovery vehicle on the track. Um, they've they've uh, made it so drivers have to drive even slower around where the safety vehicle is or the recovery vehicle, and they also announced to the drivers and the teams that there is a recovery vehicle on the track, and they tell them exactly where it is. Um, so good steps in the right direction. They're also implementing a, uh, I don't remember what it was called, a dynamic virtual safety car, I think, starting next season. So I think they get to basically change the Delta at different, different places on the track, depending on what's going on. So we'll see how that works next season, but they, they are making steps in the right direction, which is good to see. Yeah. So let's get into our talking points after this race. First up. Red Bull Racing has won their first title since 2013. Yeah. Uh, well, first constructor's title, I should say. <laughs> um, yeah, it's cool for them. They've been working at it for so long and uh, finally had a car that was able to win the championship where both drivers were able to score points pretty consistently. In terms of other teams, Mercedes, 
they've uh, they upgraded their car this week, and it seems to have worked pretty well because they had a consist considerable speed bump. It looked like. Um, yeah, it looked it like, like they were actually competing. It looked like they were on par, if not a little faster than the Ferraris. Yeah. So I'd be a little afraid if I was Ferrari right now, especially with how consistent both Mercedes drivers have been. Yeah. Just absolute machines. With Mercedes here and at this point at this point in the season, um, I honestly would not be surprised if they won the championship next season. Um because they keep saying that the the core design of their car is flawed and they just don't have the money to fix it, but they know exactly what's wrong. So if they're on par with Ferrari with a fundamentally flawed car and they fix it next season, like big speed, that's going to be scary. <laughs> yeah. So I would imagine that uh, we'll see big things from Mercedes next season. We might have another Lewis Hamilton championship. Who knows? Maybe George Russell will uh, beat him like he seems to be this season. Um, Ferrari, on the other hand, seems to be dropping off a little bit. Uh, performance-wise, I don't think they've brought any upgrades that have really worked super well in in recent memory. No, I haven't um, heard about any, especially. Yeah. I think they've uh, run out of development budget and just kind of fallen off with the other teams. Um, they're still up there, but they're they're on pace more with Mercedes than Red Bull at this point. Uh, but a, another team that shows a lot of promise was Aston Martin. They were very fast this week the last week too or last weekend yeah in uh, japan surprisingly quick yeah i don't know where where it's coming from because they've been arguably the slowest car on the grid for most of the season yeah it was uh, definitely a little too late for any big swings but it's still yeah. cool to see and hopefully next season alonso gets a, a car that can be maybe as competitive as the alpine car is this season yeah I don't know. We'll see. I think they're on the right uh, trajectory, though. It is interesting that <laughs> he crashed into Lance Stroll today, his future teammate. Oh, that's gonna um, be such a great, great day. An awkward conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, back on the other hand, McLaren had a rough weekend. Um, both drivers struggled a lot in qualifying. Lando was able to make it by the skin of his teeth to Q three. And then I think put it seventh or something like that. So he did okay, but Danny Ricardo was absolutely nowhere all weekend. Yeah, just absent. I, I don't, I don't know, man. It, it's really, it's, it's really sad and hard to watch because it almost feels like he's lost kind of a lot of his drive. Yeah, especially the track that he really likes in an area yeah. that he really likes. He's usually he really good at Coda. So poorly, uh, it was a little disheartening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fernando Alonso had a, a very impressive race. He's he's a different breed like of driver. <laughs> yeah. He just to to have a basically airplane crash, hit the wall, get the wind knocked out of you, but then decide to keep driving, have a pit stop, and then make it all the way back up to P seven by the end of the race. Incredible. I've I've never seen anything like it. It's absolutely nuts. I don't know how that car survived that race, but yeah, French props to Alonso. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Sebastian Vettel is driving very well the last couple races, like you said earlier. Did very well in Japan, and uh, 
I would say did even better in the United States. He had that bad pit stop, but made it all the way back up to eighth place. Yeah, um, yeah. One has to think about what could have been. Yeah, for sure. I think he could have been fifth or sixth at the very least. At least, yeah. Yeah, if not a podium, if he maybe tried that one stop or the yeah the one stop, but oh that would have been so cool. Know. Yeah, what oh, well. <laughs> oh well. Um, but, you know, there's three races left, and Aston Martin seems to be on the up and up, so who knows what could happen. Yeah. Um, but uh, back to Ferrari. Signs his bad luck continues as he takes his sixth DNF of the season. Poor guy. <laughs> yeah, not a whole lot to say about that. Just sucks. Yeah. Uh, he found yeah, the gravel he's... and just... Wait, did he crash in a grapple? Was he the one who beached? Or is that Bottas? Uh, no, that was, was Bottas. Yeah. Yeah. Run for so, a hard car. Yeah. No, for, no uh, Sainz did not make an acquaintance with the gravel this week, surprisingly. So. <laughs> not surprisingly, but... Um, yeah, he's had, he's had really, really poor luck this season. Um, hopefully it gets better next season, because he's only what, 65 points behind Leclerc, and I think he has five more DNFs than Leclerc. Well, actually four more. Um, that's pretty impressive. So that's, yeah, 12 points a race. So I would say Sainz would probably be in the fight for second place with Leclerc and Perez if it wasn't for his really bad luck this season. Easily, yeah. Um, so we'll see next season. He's, uh, he's a quality driver. He just needs to not get crashed into like he has like four times <laughs> or have it's his engine of... explode you know all those fun things that happen this season it's a vicious game of fortune yep <laughs> but it can happen to anybody that's that's why they that's how it goes in racing um so moving on to our championship standings obviously max has won the driver's championship previously so that has not changed Charles Leclerc has taken second away from Sergio Perez. Uh, he's only up by two points at the moment, so that could still swing either way in the next three races. George Russell is now 16 points ahead of Carlos Sainz in P5, so he's got a pretty cushy lead um, in terms of that area of the grid. Um, but, you know, anything can happen. There's still th three races left. That's, you know... A pretty big point swing could happen. Um, we'll just have to see how that shakes out. But Russell's looking looking pretty good right now. Um, as far as the Constructors' Championship goes, Red Bull Racing has won the championship, as we said earlier. Um, they Such are a massive lead. I know, they're almost 200 points clear of Ferrari. Uh, Ferrari's in second, and Mercedes is in third. And then it's... Long way down to Alpine and McLaren in fourth and fifth. Um, Alpine and McLaren are only separated by eleven points, so that yeah, could still very much go either way. Yeah, trading blows all season. Yeah, that's been an exciting one to watch. Yeah, um, watch Lando Norris versus Alpine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I don't mean to shut, shoot. Shots fired so hard, um, but yeah. Anyway, Mercedes is about. What is that? 53 points behind Ferrari. So that is probably insurmountable at this point. Yeah. Unless Ferrari absolutely melts apart, which which I would not put them past. It's been known to I happen. I would not put it past them. Yeah. Um, 
And then Haas broke their tie with AlphaTauri this week to move into eighth place. Yeah, so we have actually, a, a tight fight for fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh. Alfa oh, Romeo yeah. is only uh, three points ahead of Aston Martin. Yeah, and the way Seb's been driving, that could easily change. Yeah. Um, I will say, I think these standings I have are now incorrect because I made them before the Alonso penalty, but it should be pretty close to the same. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think Alpine might be a little bit closer to McLaren now, less than 11 points, and then I think Haas actually has two or three more points than AlphaTauri instead of just one point. But anyway, I don't think the order changes at all, at least. <laughs> so, moving on to our overtake of the week. I gave this to Sebastian Vettel on his move on Magnussen uh, on the last lap of the race at Coda. Um, that man was just driving like an animal, and so... <laughs> And it was yeah. all like it was all smoky because of the fireworks too. There was there was a lot going on, so that's uh, that's why I gave it to him there. Yeah, honorable pretty, mention pretty though, uh, Charles Leclerc. Uh, on Verstappen. Yeah, yeah, 100%. yeah. Just absolutely sends it. Yeah, that was a really good one. That that I think that was mine until I saw the Vettel move, and I'm like, no, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it got relegated to honorable mention. Yeah. So, moving on to our pit stop championship, Yuki Sonoda takes another dub. Wow. Wow. Another AlphaTauri win uh, with Sergio Perez close behind in second place, followed by Pierre Gasly, Lando Norris, and Charles Leclerc running out the top five, and then five through ten, finishing the points were Max Verstappen, Fernando Alonso, George Russell, Lewis Hamilton, and Gotifi. Incredible. He beat Sebastian Vettel. <laughs> yeah well Vettel only really had one pit stop in contention for for this <laughs> so <laughs> um but yeah so the standings in the pit stop championship haven't really changed too much uh we've got a ghastly sonoda 3-4 though um i think that they knocked Vettel down a spot after this week or i think sonoda did um, but it's very much still a Red Bull 1-2. Pretty sure Perez has won the championship for that at this point. Um, Easily. I think, yeah, actually this race, I think he won the Pit Stop Championship. So there you go. Congrats to Perez for having the least amount of stationary time this season. Um, Constructors-wise, Red Bull won the championship last time. Or, well, probably way before last time. <laughs> um, but... Uh, Man, AlphaTauri just gapped Ferrari. That's insane. They are now, what is that, 84 points ahead? Yep. Red Bull sister team. Yeah. So both Red Bull teams absolutely killing it on pit stops this season. I think Crofty said, or maybe it was Martin Brundle during the race, that Perez had the four fastest pit stops this season. Yeah, it's just <laughs> like been the blazing. top four. Yeah, it's insane. Red Bull's pit stops have, have always been crazy good. Yeah, even after the, the pit stop rules changes. I was kind of sad about the changes because it means we wouldn't see any more, you know, like sub two second changes. I remember, yeah. was it last season or the season before that we got a 1.8 out of Red Bull? I think it was last season. Last That was um, incredible to watch. It's like a 1.84. It was like nuts. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I don't, I honestly don't think it'll be that long until we start seeing 
sub two second pit stops again because we've already so. had a two second we've already had a two second flat pit stop like two point zero. I thought that was I think we like two zero nine or something like that. I guess that's pretty close. It might have been, but um, I mean we're getting there. If that's less than a tenth of a second away, <laughs> that is splitting and, hairs. I'll give you that. Yeah. Yeah. So. I wouldn't be surprised if in the next couple of years we get a couple. I don't know if we'll ever get down to 1.8 again, but we'll see. A man can dream. A man can definitely dream. So let's move on to our predictions for the United States Grand Prix. Wow, what a horrible show. so wrong. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, not, you not go even first. close. You go first. Okay, I'll go first. So to remind everybody of the top five... Uh, the actual top five, it was Verstappen, Hamilton, Leclerc, Perez, and Russell. My guess was Verstappen, Perez, Sainz, Leclerc, and Hamilton as the top five with Ricardo as my dark horse. So I, I got the winner, but that was it. At what cost? Yeah, at what cost? All the cost. How about you, Ben? Mine was even worse. I had Perez winning this, which didn't happen. I have Perez, Verstappen, Hamilton, Leclerc, Alonso, and Gasly. Uh, so I did at least have. No, I no. There's nothing to salvage that. <laughs> well, you no. had you 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 went for it with Alonso, and then had Gasly as the dark horse. I respect that. And Alonso really probably tried. would have been fifth if he didn't have that airplane airplane crash. Yeah, well, and technically. The top four, I did have correct, just in the wrong order. Yeah, if he shifted Perez down to fourth, you would have got him all right. Yep. Oh, well, Longer. next time. So, fastest lap went to George Russell this week. I guessed Perez. And I had Verstappen. I thought that would be... Yeah, okay. It's fine. I mean, he did have it until Russell pitted on the last lap to take it. <laughs> um, <laughs> what is my purpose? Drivers. You get fastest lap. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> uh, driver of the day went to Sebastian Vettel this week. Uh, deservedly so. I went for Sergio Perez. And I had Ricardo. Ricardo. Yeah. Yeah, poor guy. I put him as my dark horse thinking that he might have this standout, like, standout performance at United States, his last hurrah in the U.S., but that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, we were all hoping. Yeah. So... Mexican Grand Prix is next week. Let's uh, let's go over our predictions for that. Okay. Uh, what are you? Why don't you go first, Ben? Okay. I have Hamilton, Perez, Verstappen, Sainz, and Leclerc, and then I have Stroll as my dark horse because he's actually been qualifying pretty well, and well, especially after this race, I think he maybe deserves a little bit of success uh, after the crash. Interesting. Today's race. Nice. Uh, so you got you got Hamilton winning, continuing his streak of winning in every season he competes in, which he almost did today. Yeah. <laughs> Not quite though. Yeah. Um, I like it. I, I I honestly I hope that he wins a race this year to keep that record going because that would, that just, would be just be cool. such a such a cool record to have at the end of your career. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I hope that's the case, but. I actually went for Perez winning this one. I I hope it happens, man. If he wins the Mexican Grand Prix, we're going to see absolute carnage at the podium ceremony. Um, 
So I have Perez winning, followed by Verstappen and Hamilton on the podium. And then fourth and fifth, I had Russell and Sainz. And my dark horse was Norris. And uh, I just realized I don't have Leclerc in the top five, so maybe uh, <laughs> too late now. We'll have an engine failure. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> it's uh, low oxygen up in Mexico City, so maybe their engines will blow up. I what? Don't know. That's yeah. Fingers crossed. Okay, helmet, Marco. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not a Ferrari hater. I promise. Okay. But anyway. Uh, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> fastest lap I had Russell because once again. Toto, what is my purpose? You get fastest lap. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, I had Verstappen, because I just think that he will have it. That's pretty much my reasoning. He, he do be pretty quick, though. He do and be pretty fast driver. Driver of the day. I see you put Norris. Uh, would you like to defend your choice? Um... Do you want to know the honest reason why I put Lando Norris? I really do, yeah. I was going to put Perez, but I already put Perez winning. And I knew that you were going to want to choose Perez to win the race. (laughs) So I was going to give you Perez for driver of the day. (laughs) And Lando Norris, I think uh, he's been... The reason I chose him instead of another driver was uh, he's been... Out of everybody that's kind of like, you know, not part of the top group, he's been doing really well recently. Very Finishing consistent s- midfield. Like sixth or seventh, yeah. So I think uh, there's a possibility that he has a pretty decent race. Um, could possibly end up in the upper echelons of the of the grid at the end. Okay, okay. I like it. Yeah, I put Perez. Because it's there the Mexican Grand Prix. <laughs> yeah, he's from it's Mexico. almost certainly. People love that shit. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So before we get to the end of the episode, Ben, do you have any words of wisdom for the wonderful people? Yes, I do. Uh, shoot your shot. It doesn't have to be, you know, with a girl or a guy or whoever you, you tend to be romantically interested in. But, you know, at your job, if you think you deserve a raise and you've been there for a while and you're like, I should go ask my boss for a raise. Yeah, go shoot that shot. Go ask your boss for a raise. Go, you know, branch out with friends. If you're worried about, like, you know, maybe they're too busy to go do something with you, try it anyways. You know, reach out, be social, just, you know, yeah. So uh, shoot your shot. Shoot your shot. Good words. I mean, the the worst they can say is no, right? Exactly. Exactly. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you for that, Ben. And thank you, everybody, so much for listening to this episode of Rev Hang. If you enjoyed it, leave a like or rating on the platform you listen on because it really, really helps us out. Uh, we're trying to get out there, and so any any little bit helps um, helps us uh, helps us grow. If you'd like to follow our thoughts and opinions on the motorsport world, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Rev Hang Media. If you have any thoughts or questions about racing or even about us, post a tweet at hashtag Rev Hang Podcast, and we may feature your question on the next show. You can follow Ben on Instagram at Benji Meets World and or myself at 2N underscore squared. While you're at it, go check out our website, RevHang.com, where you can find a calendar of upcoming races, updated standings for the racing series we talk about, along with our often extremely inaccurate predictions for the F1 season. We will return in a week to talk about the Mexican Grand Prix, but until then, I've been Nathan. And I'm Ben.
Thanks for hanging out. See you guys later.